Well, good morning. My name is Nathan Duke. I'm on staff part-time here as a church planting resident, for those who don't know me. Um, but one of those things, one of the things that I get to do here is preach every once in a while, and so I'm excited to bring the message this morning. And as Chris already read this morning, we're going to be walking through Psalm 107. This is part of the Summer of Psalms series that we're doing over the summer. So I'm excited to bring the message this morning. Let's get right into it. So I want us to think back in our lives to the time and the place where we first cried out to the Lord to save us. Where we first saw the saving work of Christ in our lives. And I realize not everyone will be able to pinpoint a time and maybe, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's hard to actually know when that time was and that is totally okay. M- maybe you haven't Maybe you haven't even cried out to the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're just searching. Maybe you're here for the first time or something like that. And, and that is totally all right, too. I think this sermon will be really helpful for you also. But, but for those of you who can think back on a time and place, I want us to do that now. Stop and, and remember together because that's what we'll be talking about in the sermon this morning. About how the Lord is our salvation how God is a saving God, how he saved us. And for me, I can remember that time and place pretty clearly, actually. I was, I was a little boy, very little. I was, I was two years old, which some people think is pretty crazy. I think that's kind of crazy, but I, I do remember that pretty clearly. Uh, I was hanging upside down in my favorite climbing tree back home in, I was over in the potato flats in Bryant and hanging upside down in, my, in a climbing tree with my siblings. And they somehow explained the gospel to me and invited me to respond. And I did. And it must have been the simplest little prayer. But I just remember being ecstatic about it and running back inside to tell my mom. And so... Yeah, since then, I was two years old, so I had a whole lot to learn about faith in Christ and what that looks like, and I was baptized when I was eight years old, actually, so uh, we're going to have the baptism service here in a couple weeks, and I know there's a few young people that are getting baptized as well, so that was, I was eight years old, got baptized in Jack Lake. A couple weeks from now, we'll be having baptism service at Sawyer Lake, um, so that's just exciting. But throughout my life, I've definitely had seasons of spiritual blessing and, and also seasons of drought. And, and this is all part of the sanctification process that we all go through as believers. That's sanctification. But, but today we're going to be looking at uh, justification, that, that decisive act of God's saving work in our lives, where he reaches down and he rescues us, where we cry out to the Lord and he hears us and he rescues us from our sins. And he makes us righteous in that moment with the righteousness of Christ. But as we're walking through this week's psalm, it's Psalm 107. 
Um, yeah, we'll be, I guess if you want to get out your Bibles now and, and follow along with us, we're going to be looking at the first three verses of Psalm 107. Opening verses. It says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And so these first three verses are. They kind of serve as the introduction, as the setting for what this psalm is all about. And it introduces the main point, which is that God saves. He redeems. The Lord is our salvation. And most commentators, in talking about these first opening verses here, believe this psalmist is writing about the Israelites who are in exile. That's when it talks about being gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west. Talking about the Israelites being gathered in from the exile. And that is likely the case. And it's also the case that it's all the redeemed, the redeemed of the Lord, that, that, that these verses are relevant for us as well. Because we, as we'll see later, God is a saving God all throughout history. He saves. And so this is for us today. The Psalms are a prayer book for all of God's people to be able to pray and sing back to him. So as we go through the next section of Psalm 107, this is a very long section. And it's really the meat of this chapter. But I want us to listen for the repetition in this next section. There are four distinct scenarios of, of people and groups of people in different situations. And these people are faced with a problem. And then after learning about the problem, we then see the solution, which is them crying out to God and God saving them. And then we're going to see their response which is to praise and to thank him for his steadfast love in saving them. So as I read through this next section, I want us to be listening for the repetition and then looking for those three things, how he, well, it's the problem and the solution and then the response. So, Starting with verse 4, Psalm 107, verse 4. I'm going to start reading. It says, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God 
and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. All right, well, we could definitely, we could easily take some time and do a deep dive into each of these scenarios, each, each of these situations, and focus on the details of why these groups were in trouble, which I would love to do, and I think that would be an excellent study. But I think ultimately what the psalmist is showing us here is that God is a saving God. And that's what I want to focus on. We see that in every one of these situations every one of these scenarios that his people find, them, find themselves in, when they cry out to God for help, he hears and he saves them from their trouble. And they're called to thank the Lord in every situation for his steadfast love to them. And I thought this was really interesting, and maybe you've heard this before, but the Hebrew name Yeshua means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saves. And this is the name that we derive the name Joshua from. And more importantly, this is the name that Jesus comes from. The Lord saves. Yahweh saves. He is a saving God. And along with the reality that the Lord is our salvation, is the reality that he is active in the affairs of men. He is not a passive 
being who looks on the troubles of men and, and just says, oh, it'll work itself out. Or like a deist's understanding of God as a clockmaker who designs a clock and sets it in motion and then steps away knowing that it'll just keep itself going. That's not who our God is. He is an active God in salvation. Colossians 1.17 says, In him, in Christ, all things hold together. Nothing happens on this earth outside of God's sovereign hand, and he is active in saving us and delivering us from our sins. And in this psalm, there's a big emphasis on God being the doer, on God being the saver. He's the one who redeems from troubles in verse 2. He's the one who gathers in from the lands, verse 3, who led them to a city, verse 7, who satisfies and fills the longing soul, verse 9, who bows their hearts with hard labor, in verse 12, and who brought them out of darkness and burst their bonds, in verse 14, who healed and delivered them from destruction, in verse 20, and who commands and raises the stormy wind, and who brought the sailors to their desired haven, verse 30. So we are desperate for God. So we are desperate for his saving work in our life. And think of a helpless baby who is fully dependent on his mom or his dad, mom and dad for survival. And when the baby is in distress, all he knows to do is to cry out to them for help. And this is what the psalm is showing us, that as we find ourselves in deep trouble, when we are entangled in our sin, and when we have turned our backs to God and followed after our own sinful desires, even so, when we cry out to God in our distress, he hears us. And he reaches down in his steadfast love and saves us. And someone might ask, what do we need saving from? If you want to go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, really quick. We're going to look at that. That is a really good passage on what we need saving from. It says this, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So just like in Psalm 107, in Ephesians 2, it's saying the same thing. We were dead in our sins. We needed rescue. And there was no way that we could be rescued on our own. But God, being rich in mercy, saved us and made us alive together with Christ. That's amazing. 
And then after the psalmist lists the four scenarios of God saving his people, the final section of the chapter then talks about the sovereignty of God and how he is sovereign over nature and over the affairs of men. Verse, starting in verse 33, it says this, He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. So we see here that he is the one, God is the one who turns springs of water into deserts and then deserts back into, into springs of water. He is also the one who raises up and tears down rulers and who lifts up the needy. Again, this is the same idea of God being active in the affairs of men. He is active, not passive. I've always loved the passage in Luke chapter 1, if you want to go there for a second. Luke chapter 1, this is, it's usually labeled Mary's Magnificat or Mary's Song of Praise. And this passage is all about God's sovereignty and in toppling the proud rulers and lifting up the humble. And I noticed so many similarities between Mary's Magnificat and Psalm 107. It was really interesting. And this is when Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And when she travels to meet her relative Elizabeth, who is also pregnant at the time with John the Baptist. It's just an incredible song of praise by someone who recognizes the goodness of God and rejoices in God, her Savior. So Mary says this in Luke chapter 1. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to, gen to generation. He has shown me strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. 
And so here, as Jesus was coming into the world through the miraculous incarnation, Mary recognizes the gravity of this moment in history. And she recognizes that in God's sovereignty, he is toppling the high and lofty leaders of the world and he's revealing himself to the humble. It is through this humble teenage girl, Mary, that God would bring about his amazing plan of salvation, that he would enter the world that he created and that he would seek and save the lost, that he would die the death that we all deserved, that we deserve because of our sins, in order that we could live the life that we did not deserve through the power of the Holy Spirit. We call it the great exchange. And I think this is where we can make the connection between Psalm 107 and Mary's song of praise. It's in the seemingly backwards approach of God toppling the high and lofty and lifting up the humble and lowly that we can see his salvation come to this world. Jesus gave us that example of humility throughout his life and ministry. And then he died the most gruesome death, the death of a criminal, the death of an outcast, in order that we might live, in order that we might have salvation. And so based on this saving work of Jesus Christ as the eternal Savior, our call in this chapter is to recognize the unique situations that we come from, the muck and the mire of the sins that have enveloped us, and then to look upon Christ, our Savior, to cry out to him, to turn from our wicked ways and humble ourselves and follow him. And if what, if what we're hearing is new to you today, if you've never heard this message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And if you're lost and it feels like you're wandering in the desert or you're shackled in chains or you keep making foolish decisions that lead to ugly consequences or if you're overwhelmed in life like a ship being tossed by waves, I would invite you to cry out to the Lord and he will hear you. You cannot save yourself, but he can. He is the God who saves. So I'd invite you to cry out to the Lord, confess your sins and turn from them and look upon the cross of Christ where sin has been fully paid for and live. And for those of us who have been through this experience, who have been justified through faith and have seen the goodness of God and the saving work of Jesus in your life, our response and my encouragement for us is to remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Remember and, and thank, let's thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his saving work in our lives. And we can do that. We'll be doing that um, one way through communion, one way that we do that regularly is through communion, where we remember his body and his blood that was spilled for us.
and then we give thanks. That's what, that's what Psalm 107 shows that, that when we recognize the um, steadfast love of the Lord, that we give thanks to him for that. And then the final verse of Psalm 107, verse 43, says this. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And so as we sing the closing songs and we take communion, let's consider the message in Psalm 107. Consider and attend to the steadfast love of the Lord. The Lord is our salvation. Let's pray. Sovereign God, we want to thank you right now for your saving works all throughout history. And especially in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God, we recognize that we are desperate for you, that there is nothing that we can bring to the table but we humble ourselves and we cry out to you to save us. Thank you, Father, for your salvation. Thank you that you are the God who saves. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.